the idea here behind this series is that we believe that if, if we're going to follow a dynamic and moving Jesus, there should be movement in our lives. So the question is, have you, have you moved in your faith recently? Have you done something recently that's new? Something that is evidence that, that God is real? Something that if God isn't real, then what you just did doesn't make any sense? Have you had that kind of movement happening in your life? If not, then we're going to dare you to move. We, we, we're going to challenge you to take a look at uh, maybe answering questions about why, why you're stuck, where, where you are, and how you can take that next step forward. So we started in Colossians chapter 1 a couple weeks ago, and we're walking through the book of Colossians. And uh, we're going to be in chapter 3 today, but I, I want to give a refresher and a reminder as we go into chapter 3 that this, this letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians was structured the way that it is for a reason. It it's, follows a progression, a certain train of thought. And many of Paul's letters follow this exact same progression. Paul starts out talking about Jesus. He just kind of lays it out for us that Jesus is supreme, that there's there's no one like him. There's nothing else like him in all the universe. And that Jesus is personally responsible for making it possible for you to have a relationship with God, for you to have hope of heaven, for you to have forgiveness of your sins. Paul says, that's all Jesus. Paul says, if, if there's anyone who deserves to be center of your life, it's Jesus and none other, none other. And then in chapter 2, Paul talks about what it looks like if we choose to put Jesus at the center of our lives. That Jesus moves us from death to life, from law to grace, from defeat to victory, Jesus moves us. And then we get chapter 3. And so before we dive in, I just want everyone to be on board with this progression because what we tend to do when we think about ourselves and our own, trying to measure our own relationship with God, but also especially when we think about other people and, and their relationship with God, we start with chapter 3, usually. Chapter 3 is all about our behavior, and that's, how, that's where we like to start, right? How do I feel about my relationship with God? Do I feel close to God or not? Well, that depends on whether I've been good or bad this week. That's where we start. How, how do I feel about the people around me? Do I know people that need to know Jesus? Well, I immediately start thinking, who do I know whose behavior is bad? <laughs> because they probably need Jesus, right? We usually start with chapter 3 when we're thinking about how to decide how close we are to God. But Paul never starts there. He always starts with chapter 1, which is Jesus is supreme. He deserves to be center place of your life. And if you will make the choice to put him at the center of your life, he will change you. He will make you into a completely new and different kind of person as he invites you to live this new and different kind of life, an eternal kind of life. Then we get to chapter 3, where Paul is going to talk about our behavior. So I just want to make sure that we all understand that progression and how important that is. Uh, and uh, where it fits in the order of things. So let's start with Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in, in verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. We'll talk about that for a moment. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul begins by reminding us where we came from. 
If then you have been raised with Christ. You remember in chapter 2 that Paul talked about how in baptism we die. There's our whole old self, this sinful nature. It dies and we are raised into something new. And then he he says this is a new kind of life. This is not just an add-on to your current life, your former life. This is a brand new existence. This eternal kind of life is brand new. It's, it's the life that Jesus lives. I think sometimes we think of Christianity as something that we just add on. Like, do you, you ever had one of those uh, subscriptions or something that you signed up for that at the moment you were really excited about and you used it for a couple weeks and then you lost interest, got bored with it, forgot about it until you got, you know, six months later, you're looking at your bank statement or your, or your, your credit card statement and you're like, I... I don't remember signing up for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Why am I paying for this? I haven't used this, you know, in months. I signed up for a blog uh, a couple months ago called Seth's Blog. Seth Godin puts out a daily blog. He's not missed a day in something crazy like 10 years. It's insane. So there's a, a million of these things. And I signed up. I get one every single day. At first, I was really excited. I was like, this is going to help me. This is going to change things for me. And I, I, the first couple weeks, you know, I would read, you know, four or five of them. I probably haven't read one in a couple months. So this is what my email box looks like. I collected all these Seth's blogs that I'm probably not going to read. They just go in this archive, and I need to just unsubscribe. But that's the hardest button to find on an email, isn't it? Unsubscribe. And so I haven't done it, and so I'm collecting all this. And I think that's the way a lot of people have approached their faith, that there was this moment when you were really excited about your faith, when you were really excited about Jesus being the center of your life. And so you signed up. You did the thing. You prayed the prayer. You got baptized, whatever it was. And then you just kind of got to a place where it wasn't exciting anymore. Maybe you started to get bored. Maybe, maybe you lost focus on the reason why. Why did you ever sign up for this to begin with? And you honestly haven't really checked in with Jesus in a while. It's not supposed to be a subscription that you sign up for. It's a brand new way of life. Instead of seeing it like a a magazine subscription, putting Jesus at the center is more like being released from prison. Like imagine you were born in prison and, and that's where you grew up until one day Jesus set you free. That's what Jesus does. It's it's not an add-on. It's a new thing. And Jesus invites us to see the world the way he sees it. That's why Paul says, set your minds and your hearts on things that are above, not on things that are of earth. Because when we look at Jesus, Jesus uh, did not put much emphasis on material things, on, on, on the things of this world that are temporary and that are going to die. He had a very distinct way of seeing the world. He didn't accumulate wealth. He he didn't even know where he was going to sleep sometimes. He told somebody once, hey, listen, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. So you need to know what you're signing up for. This is not about money or possessions. He didn't put much stock in what powerful people thought of him. He didn't seem to get too worked up about politics or the economy or even sports. What did matter to Jesus? He cared a lot about justice. He cared about the poor, the marginalized. He cared a lot about truth, compassion, generosity, service. Those are eternal things. Those are things that no one can take away from you. They're not going to rust. They're not going to wear out. And so Paul says, if you're going to follow Jesus now that, that you've been raised to this new way of seeing the world, you need to understand how Jesus sees the world. He focuses on things that are eternal. 
things, things that no one can take away from you, things that last forever. And that's what we've been invited to. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God, so that when Christ, who is your life, appears. Oh, that's a, that's a bold phrase. Paul is saying, I, I assume, if you've decided to put Jesus at the center of your life, that, that the way you would describe yourself is, Jesus is my life. You, you may have said that about something else at some point, maybe in high school. You said, you said soccer is my life, or football is my life. Maybe when, when you grew up, you got married, and, and you said, your spouse, man, she is my life. She is my world, or he is my world. And Paul says, no, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is who you are. Jesus is your life. Everything that you think and do and speak flows out of him. Now, let's talk about how you live. Uh, we're going to skip ahead to verse 12, then we're going to come back and get the rest of it, because if you look at chapter 3 as like a mountain, verse 12 is like the peak of the mountain, and so we're going to build up to that and then kind of come down the other side. So let's start with, uh, with verse 12. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Paul makes a statement about your identity here that is crucial to this conversation about your behavior. Because how you behave comes from who you are or who you think you are or who you think other people think you are. So Paul wants to make it really clear who you are. You are God's chosen people and you are holy and loved. Is that how you describe yourself? Do you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror and you go, that is one holy roller right there. Oh, we're ready to go. I hope that people run into me and they will comment on my holiness. Oh man, you're looking really holy today. I don't actually want that. That would be super weird. But Paul says, this is, this is who you are. You're holy. I think the reason why we feel weird about the word holy and we wouldn't describe ourselves that way is because we've, we've bought into a misunderstanding about what holiness means. Holiness, we think, is moral purity, perfection, pure white, never done anything wrong. We think that's what holy means. That's not what holy means. When, when God set up the tabernacle and the temple system, where people could come to this place and offer sacrifices for their sins, he made the furniture, they had like this, they had a, they had a big bowl and they had a lampstand and a table. He made the furniture in the temple holy. It, is, is furniture morally pure? Can it be morally pure? Can it be morally evil? Like, do you, you, you think, okay, your couch that keeps eating your remote, you think that my couch is evil? Okay, that's not, that, that, that's not a real thing that's in your head. Furniture can't be morally pure. So what is holy about this furniture? It was set apart for worship. God said, don't use this stuff for any other purpose. It is only for worshiping me. That's it. Don't use it for anything else. And so then God looks at you you who have put Jesus at the center of your life, you whose, whose sins have been paid for, you who, who have hope in heaven. And he says, you are holy. You are set apart. You're not to be used for any other purpose than worshiping me. That's what you're here for. That's your life. And you are loved. You are already loved. Before Paul goes on this list about all the things that we should be doing and the kind of person that we should be, he says, you're loved. You're not loved because you're good you are loved, so act like it. 
You are holy and loved. And I think this is hard for us to embrace. You're going to have to redefine holiness in your mind, and you're going to have to really understand what God's love looks like. But I want us to say it out loud because I think this will help. This will help you kind of get this in your head, maybe, maybe stare down the reality of do I really believe this? So let's say this together. We're going to say it three times just because that repetition will help. We're going to say I am holy and loved three times out loud in English. Are you ready? I am holy and loved. I am holy and loved. I am holy and loved. Do you believe that? This is not just a mental trick. This is a promise from God's word. You are holy and loved. Now let's act like it. So what does that look like? Let's back up to verse 5. Let's read 5 through the next number here. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Paul uses some pretty aggressive language to talk about things that we would just kind of look at and we go, okay, that's sin. He's just talking about sin. Yes, he is talking about sin, but he's talking about it in a very particular way. He uses some aggressive language, put to death, he says. Don't just try to not to. Hunt it down and kill it. That's the language that he uses. Then later in verse 9, he says, because you have, you have put off your old self and you've put on a new self. This is not, this is not just some, something that you do once a week. This is your new identity. This is your new reality. And so he starts to use this analogy of the clothes that you wear. And he says the clothes that you wear are a statement about what you, how you see yourself and how you want other people to see you. Why did you put on the clothes that you put on this morning? Some of you, mostly guys, are like, this is what my wife set out for me. Or I wore that shirt yesterday and that shirt the day before, so it's this shirt's turn. <laughs> Some of you are, it's a, it's a lot more serious. It's like, well, so I coordinated these outfits and I had these shoes and then this thing that goes with it and it ties it all together and with the hair. And, but it's, it makes a statement about what you, how you see yourself and how other people see you. And so Paul is going to talk about what you wear and how that ties into how you behave. So we, he says we have these clothes that we put on. Before we embrace this reality in Christ, we have these clothes that we put on because we just want to. This, this is the stuff that you wear just because you want to. This is when your seven-year-old starts dressing himself, right? And you're like, hmm, are we going to let him out of the house like that? He's seven, it's okay, but... He's got to learn sometime. You just, you just wear what you want because who cares, you know? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these on and I'm going to put this on just because it looks cool. This is, this, is, this is going on eBay here in a minute, so you might want to sign up for that. Isn't this awesome? Check this out, man. I just need a horse now. 
I just, this is just what I want to wear. This is what I put on. And Paul is looking at me going, take that off. That's not you. That's not you. Just because you, you felt like doing something doesn't mean that you should do it. Just because it feels right doesn't mean that that's part of who you are. He says, you, you're in this new reality, this new identity in Christ. You guys are having a hard time taking me seriously right now. Come on, focus. You're in this new reality in Christ. And so this stuff that you used to wear just because you wanted to, get rid of it. That's not you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not me. I would never leave the house like this. I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's not how I see myself. It's not how I really want you to see me. Although this is now imprinted on your mind. So ah, the things I do. Yeah, thanks a lot. Put your camera away. So Paul is saying like sexual immorality, impurity, greed, which he calls greed idolatry. And greed, let me, let me just make this comment about greed. Greed is something no one ever thinks they're guilty of. I've had people confess to me all kinds of sins. No one has ever come to me and said, you know what, I think I spend more money on myself than I should. No one believes that. We got to watch out for that. Greed, which is idolatry. He said, that stuff is not you. You're, you've been raised in Christ. You're, you're, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Get rid of that stuff. That's not you. To which I say, thank you, Paul. I didn't want to wear this anyway. So my question is, what are you wearing? What, what, what is on you that, that, that's just not you? Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's something that, like, I've just, I've just always worn this. And I don't know that I can really take it off. That's when you have to back up to chapter 2. And you say, did I really make Jesus the center of my life? Because Jesus gives me the power to be transformed. The ability to be someone different than I was. So that the stuff I used to wear, I don't have to wear anymore. All of those things, malice, evil, evil speech. He talks about evil speech, obscene talk. Jesus gives us the ability to be transformed, to take that stuff off. Paul says, take it off. That's not you anymore. That's not who you are. You, remember, you are what? holy and loved. So don't wear that stuff anymore. You're sending a message about who you are that's not true. You're actually sending a message about who God is that is not true. If you have made Jesus the center of your life, take that stuff off. James Clear says this, every action is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. I would tweak that just a little at the end and say that every action is a vote for the type of person that you think you are. What kind of person do you think you are? What kind of person do you want to be? Because your actions are voting in that direction. Your choices about what you put on with your behavior is a vote in that direction. And we need to take this stuff off, and we need to understand what, what it means to take this stuff off. What we're actually talking about is confession and repentance. When Paul says put to death, he's saying this is serious. You've got to get rid of this stuff. Put it to death. You need to confess it before the Lord, and sometimes you need to confess it before another human being, and you need to repent. You need to move on. You don't need to put that back in your closet and say, yeah, I'm not going to wear this today, but I might come back to it tomorrow. You take it out back and burn it because that's not you anymore. That's, that's what Paul is calling us to. This is the life that he says that, that Jesus has created us for. What are you wearing that does not reflect Christ. Take it off. Hunt it down and kill it. Take it out back and burn it. It is not you. Then uh, he goes on and talks about 
the positive side of this, verse 12 through 14, put on them, he says. If you're going to take off this other stuff that's not you, you've got to put something else on. What are you going to put on? You're going to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Over all these, put on love. Why is love the thing that binds everything together? How, how does that work? I, I think we get, uh, we, we tend to make things more complicated. That's what human beings do. We make things more complicated. We take something simple and we make it complicated, right? You, you can see this all over our society. We took the simple act of calling another person on a telephone. You remember that? And we've made it really complicated. I had somebody, a 25-year-old, tell me the other day, I don't know if the phone feature on my phone actually works. I haven't used it in months. <laughs> it's not just about calling people anymore. We've made it so complicated. And we can also take this, like what kind of person I'm supposed to be, and make it really complicated. So Jesus wanted to make it really simple. And he said, it's, it's this simple, love. Love God, love people. And love means I'm going to do what's best for you as God defines best, even if it costs me. That's love. I'm going to do what's best for you as God defines best, even if it costs me. So when you look at all of these virtues that Paul talks about, compassion, kindness, humility, forgiveness, can you see how that's what's best for people? That's love. Compassion is love. Kindness is love. Sometimes confrontation is love because that's what's best as God defines best. Even if it costs me. Generosity is love. Service is love. All of these things are tied together by the outfit of love. And Paul says, I want you to put this on. He says, you get to make a conscious decision about what kind of person you're going to be today. I think most of us live based on kind of the hope mentality. I hope that when I walk into work today, I'm kind to people. I'm not sure because people are people. They're not always lovable or likable, but I hope that I'll be kind. I hope that I have a chance to be generous today. I hope that I do. I hope that if somebody hurts me, I will forgive them. I hope that I will. Paul says, don't, don't, don't hope. Put it on. Put it on right now. Put it on the first thing in the morning. Because what you put on, that's who you are. You're not relying on hope. You're saying, I am a compassionate person. I'm going I'm to put on some, some virtuous things, as some would define virtue. The necktie, this is, forgiveness is the necktie of our character, by the way. It's, it's not comfortable. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to get used to. But, man, it is so important. You, you put on who you are. Put it on in the morning. Don't just, don't just hope that you're going to have an opportunity. Don't just hope that when somebody hurts you, you're going to respond with kindness. You wake up in the morning and you put kindness on. You put compassion on because this is who you are. You are holy and beloved. And you have this choice. Paul makes it really clear. Jesus is not going to just do compassion through you without your permission. You got to put it on. You got to put it on. I am holy and loved. Therefore, I am compassionate. I am kind. I forgive. 
Not, not because that's who I am, not because I'm so good, but because that's what Jesus is doing in me. So here's the challenge. Here's the dare for today. I, I want you to spend some time thinking about who you are. And, and I'm going to dare you to declare that every morning. Make a declaration about who you are every morning. Did this uh, with my boys before school started. We, we uh, did this challenge. I asked them to, to describe. You, sometimes we used to talk about your goals. What are your goals for the year academically? And they'd always say, oh, I want to make straight A's. And I'm like, yeah, okay. But, but what kind of person do you really want to be? This is what we've been talking about lately. So I challenged them. Fill in the blanks. I am a student who? Tell me what kind of student you want to be. I, I am a friend who? What kind of friend do you want to be? What, what, what kind of disciple, what kind of follower of Jesus do you want to be? And then we're just going to declare that. We're going to refine this. They've already come up with their stuff. It's pretty good. We're going to define it, refine it. And then they're going to say this every morning as, as a part of their routine. It's like putting on their clothes. This is who I am. And I want to dare you to do the same thing. I'm going to do this with them. I, I did mine. I, I, I'll share mine with you. And, and what I tried to do was look at things that it's difficult for me to see. I... I it's, it's easy for me to, to, like, own some things about myself that are positive. It's hard for me to own some other things. It, I think a lot of us will kind of say, like, what if, what if I'm not compassionate? What if I'm actually not forgiving? I, I would challenge you that if you've put Jesus at the center of your life, your identity has changed, and you just need to know it. Somebody needs to tell you. So I'm here to tell you. If, if Jesus is at the center of your life, if you've given everything to him, then you don't get to say, I'm just not a compassionate person. That's not my spiritual gift. No, no. You have the power of Christ in you, and compassion is yours for the taking. Kindness is yours. Forgiveness is yours for the taking. So here's what I think I need to declare to myself every morning is mine for the taking. I am a person who cares deeply about the pain others experience. I just need to step into that. That's who I am. I am the kind of person who forgives quickly. I'm the kind of person who welcomes interruptions as an opportunity to value others. Oh, that's a tough one. That's who I am, though. If, if Christ is in me, this is who I am. I'm the kind of person who puts the needs of others above my own. That's who I am. Do I live that out perfectly? No, because I haven't convinced myself that that's who I am. Maybe that's where you are. You, you're like, I want to be compassionate, but I don't know if that's really me. Yes, it is. You need to convince yourself that that's who you are. Maybe you need to redefine some things like holiness. You have been set apart. You are holy and you are loved. Now, what kind of person are you? So my challenge is, come up with at least three descriptions, three things about yourself that you, you believe in Christ, this can be true of me. In Christ, this is who I am. Write those down. And then go over them every morning. Put them on a wall somewhere. Put them on your mirror. Put them Put them, you know, by your clothes. Put them in your shoes. If you, if you know what shoes you're going to wear, put that right down there in your shoes. So as you're putting your shoes on, you're also putting on forgiveness, and compassion, and kindness. And put it on. Don't just hope that later on in the day, you're going you're gonna to magically pull a rabbit out of the hat and do the right thing. Put it on, on purpose, every day. I dare you. Maybe you need to do this at lunch with your whole family. You guys need to sit down and just write it out, brainstorm, figure it out. Maybe you need to do it on your own. I would encourage you. 
Identify yourself. What kind of person am I? Because if Christ is in me, if I've put him at the center, then this is who I am. Let me back up and just remind you, if you have not put Christ at the center, this is not where you start. You don't need to start with what behaviors do I need to get rid of and what good things do I need to start doing. That's not where you start. You need to start with what am I going to do with Jesus? It doesn't matter how good you are. If you don't have Jesus, you're lost. So if, if you're here and you're, you've never given your life to Christ, that's where you start. Then you can move to this conversation. If you've already said yes to Jesus, what kind of person are you? Colossians 3.17 says this, For whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything. Everything. Everything from 9 to 12 on Sundays in the name of the Lord. No. no do everything. Everything as long as people are treating you right. No. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to the Father through him. What kind of person can you be that represents the name of Jesus to the people around you? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the challenge today, for the opportunity today to take another look at our identity in Christ. God, I pray that everyone leaves here knowing that you want to call them holy and loved and that if they've chosen Christ, that that's how you see them. They are holy and loved. You have decided that. I pray that you help us see that. The way that we live is a reflection of who we follow. Would you help us to reflect Christ in a way that's accurate and true and is a magnet for other people to follow Jesus? God, as we do this hard work internally, would you let it show up externally in some significant ways that we get to see other people come to Christ because they've seen him in us? In his name we pray, amen.